Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps, and I'm joined now uh, via Zoom with Roxana Begum. Uh, Roxana, it's nice to meet you. It's, um, this is the first time we've, we've spoke. Mm-hmm. Follow yes. each other on, on social media, but it's the first time we've spoke. How are mm-hmm. you doing? I'm really good, thank you, and yourself? Yeah, you know what? It's um, interesting times, as I keep saying, but you mm-hmm. know, I'm starting to see some really positive direction into where things are going right now. So mm-hmm. can't complain whatsoever just sort of winging it. Uh, it's, it's different doing interviews via Zoom. Then, yeah, like, yeah, like in person, you sort of get like that. I don't know, it's just different. It's, it's, it's been different a little energy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I guess the world is changing and you kind of have to adapt with it. Um, yeah, interesting times. <laughs> well, for people who are seeing you for their first time, just a little um, information on Roxana is that you, you are now a professional boxer, but was That's once right. also competing in kickboxing. Um, That's right. Just signed a three-year deal with my friend, Sam, at, for S-Jam <laughs> Boxing um, to, to manage you. And you're also currently signed to Haymaker Promotions. So just talk a bit about, uh, first and foremost, I was reading that your inspirations were always Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. But I often get asked all the time, like, well, what inspired boxing for you? So I'm going to ask you the same. What inspired your passion for combat sports? Um, I think I've always loved sports growing up. Um, That was one of my passions. And I just, I was fascinated by, you know, Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. And I joined the gym and I completely fell in love with it. It was my first love. And I guess the fact that it makes you so present and it takes you away from all the negative outputs in life, that's what I fell in love with initially. And of course, then you have added, um, 
added skills that you're developing and focus and mental strength and you know being able to discipline your mind your body and all of those things just shaped me and I fell in love with the fact that it grew me as a person mentally physically emotionally spiritually um and it's played a big part in my life. It's given me so much. It's given me hope. It's given me a second lifeline. Um, and I absolutely love it. I'm so blessed that I get to follow my passion. And I love boxing. Yes, Sam and Adam signed me. Um, I'm no longer with them. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity. No, but we, you know, we had a good um, couple of years. And um, I'm looking for a new challenge at the moment. Okay. So yeah. one of the things that really stood out to me was um, the fact that you felt that at one point you had to keep the training from your family. And I believe that was because <laughs> due to just growing up in a conservative family, it, it is common, uh, especially <laughs> like, I don't know, even when I was young, I knew that it was very taboo to hear about a woman wanting to join sports, let alone yeah. combat sports. So what was that like sort of having that coming out experience with your family and sort of revealing to them that, hey, look, by yeah. the way, I've been doing this for years and I just want you guys to share yeah. in it. In, in all honesty, I felt like I was living a double life. You know, I was going to university, keeping my head down, being the best daughter I could be. Um, I was just a good student and good daughter. And my only passion was, you know, sport. I loved it so much that I would be, I would behave myself throughout the whole week. <laughs> so I could do two hours training on a Sunday religiously. And I was compromised with go going out with my friends, doing anything else. Um, only because I just wanted... That, that meant so much to me. And my parents never knew. I would tell them I'm going for a run or a jog. Um, and eventually I realized I was living a, a lie in a sense, you know, like a double life. And I went through a personal problem. I went through an arranged marriage and I was going through depression. And at that point, I decided to bring my parents to the gym. I still didn't tell them where I'm taking them, but I plucked up the courage to say to them, this is where I need to heal. This is where I need to recover. I don't want to be on antidepressants anymore. That's not who I am. I felt that, you know, I'm stronger than that and I'm better than that. So I went to the one place I felt at home and familiar with and, you know, introduced my parents to the gym and my coach. And I think they felt really reassured that I was in a safe environment. Um, and they turned a blind eye. They didn't say yes. They didn't say no. They just stepped back. And they, I think they just wanted their daughter back. Um, and I feel as though that was like a blessing in disguise for me. Because if it hadn't been for the breakdown that I was going through, I don't think my parents would have been as supportive of me going to a combat sport, male-dominated, especially in the 90s, you know, early um 20s and be supportive whereas now i think over the years they've realized that I haven't compromised on my values and my beliefs and that they've it's encouraged them to be more open and understanding with what's gone on with my um personal life and professional life mm -hmm. it sounds like to me your parents cared more about you being healthy and if that was yeah. the way 
for you sort of finding yourself again, or maybe even releasing anxiety and stress. Um, yeah. I could see, I could see where they probably were like, whatever it takes, just do it. Yeah. I think it was an eye opener because I think my GP had a word. Um, so my doctor took my parents aside and said, she needs something. She needs something to focus on. And I think at that point they didn't care about cultural and traditional, um, kind of expectations they just thought to themselves which I really kind of have so much respect for my parents for doing that they just said yeah we just want her back and back to herself and um, they gave me that space to recreate my identity and it took a few years but I managed to use sport to kind of build my confidence build my identity and I, I it saved my life in a way so <laughs> At what point did it go from with your parents and, and having this conversation? Hey, I'm doing this for my mental health, but now I'm doing this professionally. How did they sort of react to, because I know that you went to school to do, to become an architect. So That's I can imagine, wait a minute, what, yeah. like, what do you mean you want to do this professionally? So how did that go, go about? So, yes, because I already graduated from university and I worked for two years and then the recession started. And at that point, that's when I was going through my divorce and the breakdown. And um, this is when they felt like, okay, um, I had nothing else, you know, at that point. My health was deteriorating um, and I started training as a passion again and from the passion within a year I got selected for team GB um, and I think they they just kind of took a step back and thought well she's not doing anything bad they were already used to me going to the gym you know very frequently like every evening I'd be at the gym every morning I'd be at the gym I just wanted to be productive instead of feeling sorry for myself being at home um, I wanted to just I dived into the sport and where they didn't say no I took that as silent consent and I thought okay they're not saying no they just let me get on with it so um and when I revealed to them okay I need to go to Thailand now and train for a month they didn't say anything so I was incredibly nervous because I thought what if they say no on the last minute but they didn't and I think that gave me more and more confidence to kind of progress into the sport so when we're talking about like you know, mental health, do you feel that a big part of, when you said you had the breakdown, do you feel a big part of pressure because as a woman, and we as women have different types of pressures, and until mm -hmm. you're in a very male dominant industry um, and have a sort of expectation, I don't think anybody can quite relate, and I think that's sort of like, like the unique yeah. bonds that we women share in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. You don't understand it until you're there, do you feel that a big part of that breakdown, as you say, was like having to lie about what you're passionate about, having to live up to this expectation culturally yeah. of what you should be doing, and also yeah. the pressure of feeling like you might be letting your family down? Did you have all, did all of that play a factor? Then I had, I had like a storm going on in my head every single day for those five years. And even afterwards, because even though I had my parents who was supportive, I had that inner battle that, am I doing something wrong? Am I going against my religion? Am I going against my values? You know, 
am I letting my parents down? Who am I? And there's so many thoughts that went through my head because, you know, can I make a living out of this? Why am I, you know, the, you know, even having debates with my brothers because they felt that you, you've studied architecture, you're working in a firm and now you're going from working in a, you know, top firm into a sport that doesn't actually support you, you know, financially or in, in, in any way, but it made me happy. It gave me life skills and it gave me values. It taught me so much that I don't think I would have learned as quick in a different environment. Um, it shaped and it molded me. It made me grind and work hard. I knew I was good at the sport, but it made me realize just being good isn't enough. You have to make sacrifices. You have to have to constantly be resilient and work through the, the pain, the pressure, um, and it, it helped me grow as a person. So I have so much to kind of, you know, give back to the sport in that sense. Do, do you have other women who approach you who are, who are in similar positions that you once were in, where they find themselves sort of in this limbo of, of not really knowing how to say, look, I don't want to be what you what you ex expect of me to be i want to be myself i want to follow my passion even if that goes against everything that i guess you're raised to to be uh do yeah. you find that other women um are approaching you or asking you for advice on and if so what do you tell them i think definitely you know when i look around especially in my community um people are still you know, trying to get the balancing act right between being British, being Muslim, being Asian, being traditional, being a good daughter. Um, there's so many expectations, um, you know, what the norm is, yeah. and then being able to pursue a sport and being successful, or, you know, just being happy, that mental health aspect. Um, and I guess my advice is always, to kind of do what you're passionate about, but find a way to bridge the gap between all of those, you know, aspects of your life, because you're not one thing, you're many things. Um, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a auntie, I'm a, you know, boxer, I'm a former kickboxer, um, I'm a coach. There's so many parts of you, and you need to be able to respect that, and communicate. And it took me many years to be able to find that balance, because, I always thought you have to be one or the other, and now I've realized, no, you could, you could wear different hats, but it's being respectful, being um, courteous, and just being, you know, just bringing in that human aspect to it, and not judging people. Um, and it takes time. People will always listen to you and give you the time of day if you can actually express yourself. Um, and that took some time, but I got there in the end. So, yeah, because my family means so much to me, you know, I didn't want to ever lose them or upset them over choosing something that I felt that was part of who I am and who I want to become. Um, so both things were important to me. And yeah, it's, it's an ongoing conversation. You don't have to be a rebel. You don't have to be, it's actually, sport brings you back to who you, you know, teaches you so much about 
living in unity and um, compromising and sacrificing. These are all aspects of maturity and throughout the sport you need that you need to be able to adapt to situations it's never the circumstance it's how you react to it mm -hmm. one of the things i love was that you created a hijab so that you can actually work out and train in it which would encourage other women to to do the same to to whether that be again professionally or not professionally doesn't yeah. matter like you said it's just a really great outlet for you to sort of blow off steam or just have, I don't know, I, I can relate to that because I, although I don't do it professionally, I, if, if I don't have some sort of like outlet, like mm -hmm. exercise, I go crazy. I have anxiety, <laughs> I have panic attacks. I overanalyze everything. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like that person. So I completely get it, but I love oh. that you did that. Do you want to talk a bit about? Absolutely. Uh, um, I was inspired. I remember after the 2012 Olympics, mm -hmm. I remember like this was the first year where women's boxing was introduced to the Olympics. Um, Saudi Arabia was competing in the Olympics and I just felt that there was no sports hijab for, um, you know, just the average person who wants to go to the gym or a mother who wants to just go for a jog, um, school, young girls doing PE. Um, and you know nike i remember designed it with one of piece for one of the athletes and even then they were debating whether it met the health and safety requirements so i was just inspired by that and i felt that it should be available for everyone mm -hmm. and fitness should meet faith you know there shouldn't be a compromise in that and that's something that resonated very strongly with me because of the battle that i had going into a male-dominated sport where Actually, I want to reassure my parents that, yes, you can conduct yourself um, appropriately. You can, you don't have to, um, you know, compromise on your faith. You can wear a hijab if you want to. You can dress appropriately. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to create that avenue for Muslim women to be able to have one less, you know, stress. And they could still train, still compete whether it's professionally or, or as a hobby or a passion, that opportunity and do, door was open for them. So I created that and, um, you know, did really well. And I think now we've got so many other brands that have created um, hijabs. And, um, you know, it's fantastic that we see so many more Muslim women actually taking up sport and, you know, wearing the full hijab. Mm -hmm. What is the ultimate goal for you what what would you like to see yourself achieve in the sport of boxing okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I guess, you know, I know <laughs> this is going to sound insane because people are, you know, you're 36 and you're a woman and you've already done one sport. But I remember when I became a British champion and my coach said to me, well, you've become a champion and you can retire. And I said, no, but if I become a British champion, 
what's stopping me from becoming a European champion? And then I thought, well, if I can become a European champion, what's stopping me from becoming a world champion? And I achieved those goals. And each day, you know, it's just one step at a time. And I managed to get there because I believed in myself. And I feel the same with boxing. This was this was a new mountain for me to climb, you know, stimulated mentally for me. And it's given me a different lifeline. I feel like I can make a huge difference in boxing, in the world, being able to conquer another sport. Um, so I feel so passionate. The ultimate goal will be to become a world champion in boxing. Um, I've only been in boxing for like, a year and a half maybe a little bit longer but I'm you know I'm persevering through the challenge and yeah that would be my ultimate goal and you know I never say never I'm just going to keep going and hopefully <laughs> so let's talk a bit about I read a bit of, of I read the preface to your book that you're writing and mm -hmm. and that's coming out in June June 25th June 25th. It's, it's already a pre-order on Amazon, but um, it'll be available at Waterstones from the 25th. Okay. So when I was reading that, one of the things that really resonated, and I think anyone who's sort of stepping outside of their comfort zone can relate mm -hmm. to this, it's so terrifying because you almost have this sense of, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. What am I doing? You doubt yourself. And and I read in your preface that when you arrived in Las Vegas uh, to train, you were sort of like, what am I doing? I've spent, you know, all my savings on this. And, and there, was, there was a bit of, of resistance there. Talk about that, that move for you because it, it is scary to, to take yourself away from family, to take yourself away from everything that you're pretty much accustomed to to follow something that you have no clue where it's going to lead you. Absolutely. Um, it was incredibly scary. Um, and I guess I took a leap of faith and I thought to myself, I've already come this far. I can't look backwards anymore. And every day I was improving and I was thinking, okay, I'm getting one step closer to my goal. And I remember Salas, um, you know, my coach at the time, when I went and saw him, he said, baby, nothing happens by accident. You are meant to be here. But it was, you know, incredibly, incredibly testing time for me, um, especially being by myself, being a woman in a male-dominated world, um, in a foreign country to me at the time. I did have managers. I was just by myself. But I believed in my goal and I believed in myself and I felt that if I can do this, imagine how many people I can inspire. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. That's okay, I get it. So I think, um, yeah, I look back and I still can't believe I did that. That was me. <laughs> and your family, I'd imagine, I mean, even if they're not so vocal about it, like you said, it's like there was that sort of, like pat on the back do you know what I mean like that they knew where you were going they it was new to them too I'd imagine it's it's a whole new thing for them as well but see you do it see you achieve something from it I can imagine how proud they are of you 
I think they, they felt really proud because they realised that everything that I set my mind to, I was able to achieve. You know, I was dyslexic at university and I managed to attain a degree and then I started working in the field. And then I set my sights on becoming a champion in kickboxing and I managed to do that. And I think they just left me to it. They, they trusted me and they believed in me. Um, but I never shared these kind of emotions with them or with anyone because I didn't want to burden anyone with what I was going through internally. So I just held it together. But then, you know, one of the things that I've learned in, even for myself and from other people that I know personally who have battled mental health, everyone sort of has the same thing. They're all afraid to talk. They're all afraid to say, I didn't want to burden you. I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to make you think like, you know, a lot of people often feel that, they're like, I'm not trying to ask for attention. It's not, it's not that. It's just that if you don't have an outlet, even just an ear, you know, yeah. it can cause so much damage in the long run because of, you, you know, you're not meant to sort of harbor all Absolutely. of that inside. Absolutely. I think my biggest challenge was when I was sharing my kind of thoughts and what I wanted to achieve because people around me could see how much I was hurting in the process and how challenging the environment was, most people would say, give up. And that's something that went against my values, my core values. I'm not someone who believes in quitting. If I felt that it was the right move for me, then fair enough. Right. You know, that's a new chapter of my life. But if it was negativity coming in, I would have to then push it back out and then rely on myself to have that self-talk and positive affirmations that actually I can do this and there's always been some sort of hope like you know the words Salah said to me or that you know those that day when I landed in Las Vegas and I had those thoughts and I was almost in you know tears the next morning I woke up and I remember watching um the morning TV and Michelle Obama was on it and she was talking about how she felt when she was in Princeton and I resonated so well with her at that moment and that gave me hope that gave me hope that this these are the defining moments of your life and you can either embrace that or you can say it's too hard it's uncomfortable and I'm gonna go home and I chose to embrace it. And here I am. And I'm still going to keep moving forward. You're also an instructor. And um, you are a part of numerous charities, you know, where mm -hmm. you're giving back, you're helping other people who are either in similar positions or um, just people who never really had a sort of platform to help them grow mm -hmm. to the next level, like as, whether they wanted to be professional athletes or not. Do you want to yeah. talk a bit about? that i i guess it goes back to when i became uh when i was training it's one of the things that i was struggling with was there was no female instructors okay. and i knew my life would have been so much easier to explain to my parents had there been a female boxing instructor or a um you know thai boxing instructor um they would have felt more comfortable so 
I remember taking going to a course and qualifying qualifying myself as a Thai boxing boxing and a personal trainer and I'm currently doing a nutrition course because I feel like self-improvement is so important to keep your mind sharp, keep yourself stimulated, be aware of what is you know important in your life and how you can contribute to society. Um, and this is one of the things that I felt so passionate about to create a um, women's only class for the community, for Muslim women, for women in general who who wanted to feel safe and not train with guys who are testosterone driven, you know, um, you know, feel intimidated in the environment. They needed a place where they can build their confidence. Um, and I have people from all walks of life who join that class who are journalists or doctors who are, you know, young girls from the, you know, um, just from the community. So it's a really nice, inclusive environment. Um, and that's so important to me to create those kind of um, unity and diversity within, you know, sport. Mm. So we know that boxing sort of taken, actually sport in general has all taken a, a pause at the moment, but we are hearing some pretty good news that we're, we're looking like we're going to be getting back. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Slowly but surely. Um, yes. Unfortunately, we won't have crowds for a while, but it, mm -hmm. starting starting somewhere is is great because then they sort of, they're going to figure this out. And hopefully by the end of this year, we should have maybe even just smaller crowds, but crowds nonetheless. What can we expect of you? Like what I understand that right now during lockdown is very limiting. It's not like gyms are open yeah. to just kind of walk in and, and get the work done. But what are you doing yes. currently to sort of keep yourself prepared? And, and also when do you anticipate that you might be uh, fighting again next? So I'm still obviously training, like going for my run, doing my cardio. I've used this time to work for me and I've realized I've only, I've come into boxing from a different sport and boxing is a completely different sport. There's a different rhythm. There's a different speed and psychology. And I've realized I need to go back to basics. Yes, there's transferable skills such as willpower, being disciplined, being focused, being a fighter, I know how to fight. But now it's the time for me to work on my footwork, to work on my strategy, to understand psychology of boxing. And I'm really, really enjoying it because there's no pressure, but I'm taking this time to enhance my skills. And I'm realizing, actually, I do belong in the ring because I'm picking up things really quickly. I'm so excited to be back in the ring. Um, I'm speaking to a couple of promoters at the moment, so it's really exciting times for me. Um, so we're looking at hopefully July, um, possibly. So I don't want to say too much because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, but it'll be amazing. It's, um, it'll be incredible to be back in a big arena. So yeah. You know, I can't wait either. You know, you find yourself looking back and you're like, oh, all those times I was complaining because I was, you know, it was too packed or it was too this. It was like, you look back and you're like, you should never have complained about those things because now you just appreciate it differently, don't you? Very true. Like we have a tendency to try and live in the past or to live in the future and you forget to live in the present and really embrace this time because this is all we have. And really, you need to use this time to prepare for the future and really cut the past 
and leave it where it is because you you tend to regret oh I should have done this or I should have fought on this show and and then you kind of go into a vicious circle and it's self-harming yourself so yeah again that mental positive attitude it's all about being your own best friend and giving yourself that care and love and forgiving yourself and saying actually no everything is how it's meant to be I needed to learn a lesson from this experience there's so many times you have to fail in order to learn something greater through your failures rather than through your success and once the penny drops it's like a different world and I think that's going to be the case with me in boxing because I've made such big improvements now and I'm you know really excited to see what I can now achieve in boxing because mentally I'm in a different place physically I'm in a different place because I've learned to love my body and because again that's another thing that people don't understand especially being a boxer constantly dieting and watching your weight at the same time having to perform at a peak level um and it can be really mentally draining to be on the scales every morning and then having to run and then having to run in the evening yeah. um you know you can't really socialize with friends or family um, and it's not just a one-day thing, it's, it's part of your lifestyle. Um, so yeah, it takes, it takes um, a lot of kind of willpower to be in that state at all times. Mm -hmm. Well, I have respect for you guys, period. There's no way I could do what you guys do. There's no way. I can't, I can't, I, I can barely count calories, let alone like have to get on the, the scale every day and then oh, go run yeah. off what I just ate. So, so much respect for you athletes for doing what you do. Um, before we go, I just want to say, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. And hopefully I will be able to see you in person sometime soon yes. in the future. And we'll be able to do proper interviews oh my God, just, um, over the phone or over the laptop. So yeah. any final words, do you have anything, anything you want to say? Um, uh yeah you know please you know um enjoy my book it's out on the 25th i'd love to get your thoughts and what hopefully is it it's, hmm? what is it called your book born fighter it's on amazon at the moment and there, there will be an audio book too which i'll be recording myself hopefully i'm not gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> for the recording um but i'm really grateful for the opportunities and the blessings i've had and support that people have shown me in my life um you know every obstacle presents an opportunity and just bearing that in mind and you know I look forward to hearing your thoughts and I appreciate your time and thank you so much for, you know, doing this um, talk and interview with me. Well, no, thank you for, for taking the time out to do it. I know it took us a little while, but we got here. And um, again, like I said, I hope to see you in the near future. And, and based on just your attitude and your approach to life, there's no doubt in my mind that whatever it is that you decide to do, that you're going to be very successful at it. When the day comes, whatever it is that your goals are, um, <laughs> clapping. <laughs>
Thank you. That means a lot to me. I look forward to meeting you in person. I should be in Vegas. As soon as this lockdown is over, I will be in Vegas talking to possibly a promoter and also training back with Salah Sismayev, who I'm really looking forward to uh, training with. Um, he's an incredible coach. And I think the difference is, is that, you know, when you have someone who's spiritual, yeah. they lift something else in you. And I think that's what I love so much. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to being back in Vegas. <laughs> well, you're, if, if you're ever in Vegas and I'm, I'm around, I'll definitely let you know. Um, oh, brilliant. It really depends on what's going to be happening and going on and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But, but we'll keep in touch and have a good mm -hmm. rest of the evening over there. Thank you. Just starting my Thank day you. here. So, but I'll see you <laughs> soon. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, fans. Bye. Bye, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.